We're now going to have the Bible reading. We have three passages today and the first one is Matthew 5 verses 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We then turn to chapter 10, verses 32 to 40. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. And for our final reading, let's turn to John 15, verses 18, and we're going through to chapter 16, verse 4. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen his miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfil what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counsellor comes, who I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is doing, offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. May God be with us. Let's pray. Father, today we ask that you would be in our midst in a very special way in a way that will help us to understand the significance of what it is to be your child on earth, to be sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, living your kingdom life here on earth to the glory of your name. Father, as the message comes through, we ask that you would help us to understand clearly that which it brings to us and that which it implies for us and give us the confidence to constantly just rest in your will and purpose for our lives and we ask this in Jesus name Amen. Today we're going to focus on 
God actually has, I'm convinced of this, a divine purpose for Australia as a nation. A divine purpose for that. Most Australians are actually completely unaware of the vital part Christianity has played in our origins and our history. It's interesting, isn't it, that all of the, some of the significant ministries that happen now, Lifeline, Flying Doctor Service, hospitals, all began through Christianity. In fact, I just came across it. Do you know South Korea, which has seen some, a great move of God and happening, the first missionaries to South Korea were Australians. That says something. Now, let's get to some more things. The opening sentence of the preamble to our nation's constitution actually states, whereas the people of New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, Queensland and Tasmania, humbly relying on the blessings of Almighty God, have agreed to unite in one indissoluble federal commonwealth. A constitution written by Alfred Deacon, who prayed and fasted to hear from God as he prepared it. Our common law today is still based on Christian faith and the principles of that. The sad reality, of course, is most Australians, including Christians, have a totally different view of things. Their view is man-centred, totally humanistic view for this nation. In fact, the reason we don't sing the third verse of the national anthem says it all. Do you know what that third verse says? Let me share you. Our national anthem was written and composed by Peter Dodds McCormick and was first performed in 1878. McCormick had realised the need for a spiritual foundation for our nation, hence the song. We all know the first two verses, we sing it often. How many of us really get into the third verse? Here it is. With Christ our head and cornerstone will build our nation's might, whose way and truth and light alone can guide our path aright. Our lives, a sacrifice of love, reflect our master's care with faces turned to heaven above, advance Australia fair. In joyful strains, then let us sing, advance Australia fair. No wonder there's a lot of people in Australia who want to change the national anthem. God has a divine purpose for this nation. Reality tells us we're a long, long way from where God wants us to be as a people in Australia. And we can see that in a number of different things. The delight of a lot of people, a lot of people, over the decision to enshrine in law marriage between people of the same sex. A decision that goes directly against God's purpose for human beings. A main obstacle, of course, for people in this nation, for it to come to its God-given destiny, actually barriers that the church has created. And one of the most recent and most difficult ones is the hiding of sexual abusers in different ways and different places and different churches. Sadly, another area is the way that Christians have lived because we have lived in such a way it looks to be no different to the pagans around us. And so what you get is a bunch of hypocrites. How can we, you and I, play a part in bringing the nation back to its God-given destiny? How do we overcome the seeming impossible barrier between us and a godless, secular, materialistic people devoid of any real spiritual foundations for life? God says this actually, for you it's impossible, for me nothing 
is impossible. The issue is this. I want you to hear this is like God speaking to you. Do you really believe I am God, creator of all that is, and that life in my kingdom reign in my Son, and when you live in union with Him in that life by the power of the Holy Spirit, my kingdom reign happens. That's true, friends, for every one of us. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to proclaim the kingdom of God as we bear witness to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the salvation that is ours in Him and Him alone. But as we saw yesterday, and I want to stress more today, and we've been focusing on being disciples of Jesus, the reality is when we are really true disciples of Jesus, we will also suffer persecution. Jesus was a realist about this. This is not the kind of gospel message we want to hear, in a sense. This is not necessarily the good news, but it is the good news. In essence, when Jesus was speaking about those who would be following him and the consequences, his honesty is amazing. He said, friends, if you follow me, there will be many people who will not approve of your decisions. They will not like it. I mean, that's a paraphrase in a sense. He's saying, if we live according to the values and the principles of the kingdom of God, we can expect to upset some people. In fact, a lot of people. That's why we heard those words before. Just think about hearing them again. Blessed. Now, in a sense, in the Greek, you could say, happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Hmm? I mean, that seems to be a contradiction. Let's be honest about that. But that's such a contradiction, and it is, that Jesus repeats it. This beatitude is so shocking that Jesus gives more space to it than any of the others. He even personalized it in a way he did not the other seven. He said, it's the, in fact, it's the only beatitude that says you, you, when people persecute you. The first seven beatitudes deal with the character of a Christian. If you really know what the character and the nature of a Christian is, you read the first seven beatitudes. Don't read the one that often say, oh, that's for some, some for others. They're actually a full summation of what it is to be a Christian, to really know the joy of God, to really know the blessings of God in your life and the fruit of that in so many ways. But this particular one deals with how the world will treat you when you display the first seven attitudes or beatitudes. That's how it comes. That's the flow about this, all right? Jesus is saying, blessed, that is, happy and healthy are those who can handle rejection. Blessed are those whose beliefs are so strong that they can withstand any attack on them. So my focus today is this. What are the keys to handling persecution for your faith? And we need to come to grips with this in this nation now. Jesus didn't say, now note this, he didn't say, if you're persecuted or if you're insulted, he said, when people insult you, be prepared, in other words. Don't be caught off guard. Friends, here's a fact. As the world gets more and more secular under Satan's dominance and control, 
it will get more and more hostile to Christianity. In fact, there were more Christians put to death for their faith, according to statistics for 2017, than any other time in the world's history. The most persecuted people in the world are Christians. I don't think we come to grips with that really well in this nation because we've just lived in this easygoing, she'll be right, mate, place. It's not going to be like that anymore. Jesus is saying and warning us that when you're persecuted or harassed, if you want to use a different term, and telling us why, because you're my followers. Now, he's not talking about racial harassment. He's not talking about sexual harassment or being harassed for being obnoxious because some people set themselves up as martyrs. They're so irritating, so stubborn, so loud, so nosy and so noisy. It's no wonder people reject them as they try to tell them about Jesus Christ. We're not talking about those kind of people. He's not talking about self-righteous Christians who go out and who are so offensive as they witness Bible-bashing people with words like turn or burn or you're going to die and fry or I'm so great and you're so bad and I'm so glad God's told me that to tell you all your sins. That kind of thing. See, those sort of people are just simply jerks and they deserve to be persecuted. Huh? They reap what they sow, actually, when they get... The right reason for persecution for your faith is being like Jesus. If the world hates you, this is what Jesus says, keep in mind, that is, hold it in your thinking, that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Why? Because as his disciples, we become image bearers of God. Evil people do not like Jesus. As a result, they attack anyone or anything associated with him. I mean, have you noticed how merciless the media is on Christians? The world crucified Jesus and it would still do so today. People become uncomfortable around goodness, real goodness, okay? The more of Christ's light that you have in your life, the more it reveals darkness in other people's lives and they react to that. Now, here's a law of life. The more positive you are, the more negative people will not like you, even hate you. And we Christians should be the most positive people on the planet. Everyone. This is 2 Timothy now. This is Paul. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. Persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable value systems. If you want to check that out and and you're a student, just go to a university campus and say, I'm a Christian, I'm committed to being a virgin till I get married because Jesus is my Lord. And see what people say about that. Whether they laugh at you and insult you or what. If you're not a university, go to work. And if you're in a workplace, say, I'm not going to participate in that particular activity because I'm trying to please the Lord Jesus Christ and see how those around you react. Or tell your neighbour that homosexual and lesbian sexual behaviours are an offence against God and see how they react. Hmm? 
most likely you'll be accused of narrow-mindedness and vilification. In fact, what I've just said to you now would open me under current laws in this country. Yeah, whatever. You, you hear what I'm saying? We get into, if we take the stands truly according to God, the world will react against us. All right, that's the issue. Friends. The world can't stand, and I've seen this more and more and more, the world around us cannot stand anyone who is really morally different. Okay? It's why Jesus was crucified. He didn't fit the mould. He didn't do what the Pharisees, the religious people, wanted. He wouldn't conform. He wouldn't compromise. So they killed him. Now, some of you might be thinking, hang on a minute, Don, I don't need this message. No one's hassling me. No one's persecuting me about living for Jesus. Well, in the context, what's that tell you? It's saying that you're no different than everyone else, actually. Paul said, all who live godly lives will be persecuted. They will be harassed. Okay? If you're not being persecuted or harassed, it means you're no different from the world around you. That's really scary, friends, I'm telling you. Jesus told us, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child and children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men, women will hate you because of me. But he or she who stands firm till the end will be saved. Friends, Christians will be persecuted for their faith if they're really living it out. And I don't like that. So when it comes, what is our response to be? When we're persecuted, you need to recognize the source. Recognize the source. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, human beings, but against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. That's what it says in Ephesians 6.12, okay? Now, the child of God is an enemy of who? The devil, Satan. Now, if you're a parent and I want to hurt you, what is one of the best ways I can hurt you? Through your children. Hmm? The devil cannot get at God. So to hurt God, he seeks to hurt God's children. Hello? You see what I'm getting at? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Says that in Revelations 12.10. So the person at work or wherever who's harassing you because of your faith isn't the real problem. The real problem is the source, Satan. And we can pray against that power. And we have the power to pull that stronghold down. Recognize the source. Number two, refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. Just remember who the enemy is, that the person attacking you is a pawn being used by the devil. And Jesus mentions three kinds of persecution. There's insults. That's when people will try to dishonor you. They'll say derogatory things about you. I've been there. It's interesting. Uh, in a little country town was the pastor. The local little country newspaper had not done it before. Made the decisions. They were going to um, weekly have a star chart with all the readings from the stars. That got up my thing. So I um, wrote an article to the paper. And they printed it. 
Well, the interesting thing was that it was some people in the church that gave me the hardest time. <laughs> as soon as you take a stand about something, you will be attacked. No doubt about that. When I took significant stand against decisions of, about homosexuality and same-sex marriage in Geelong, I got front page in the newspaper. And the front page said, Priest leads rebellion. <laughs> and so it goes. All right. Insults. Then there's mistreatment. Okay. Now, mistreatment, of course, is when people will af- abuse you mentally and or physically. And that can even lead to death as such. And then, of course, there's lies, deceit, deception. I mean, the world just loves to find fault with Christians. For instance, if a pastor stole some money or ran off with another woman here in Wangaratta, would it be in the news? Absolutely. You can count on it. But if a manager of a local business did it, would that be in the news at the same way? No. Okay. The world loves to find fault with believers. If they can't find fault against you that's real, they'll just make it up. Jesus said they'll insult you, mistreat you, make up lies about you. They did it to Jesus. Okay? They accused him of being a drunk and a glutton, but he never reviled back. He refused to retaliate. Number three, instead of retaliating, of course, you respond. You respond positively. Recognizing the source, refuse to retaliate, respond positively. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Is that your normal reaction when you're being mistreated, insulted and lied about? Our normal reaction is more likely, I'll get them back somehow. I'll show them a thing or two. I can tell you, that's naturally what comes in my head first thing. Listen, you never get ahead by trying to get someone back. Okay? Never get ahead by trying to get someone back. Now, I learned this way back as a boy. I was that boy with four sisters. I learned that if I could tease my sisters mercilessly enough, they would start reacting to me and they had lost control. That's true of every situation, friends. I was a bad boy then. You, you find that hard to believe, don't you? I actually heard my mum say to a girlfriend when I was about 10, they were talking about my behaviour. My mum said it was absolutely terrible. It's out of control. And her girlfriend said to her, it'll be worse when he gets to be a teenager. And my mum said to her, I'll have to put him in tally-ho boy's home. Now, I don't know if that traumatised me or not, but I can tell you, at 12 years of age, I became a saint. (laughs) I started to stick up for my mum against my sisters. I became little boy good... (laughs) whatever, in that sense. Once you're reacting to any situation, friends, that comes to you, you have lost control. All right? how, do you resp- how do you respond positively then? Get this. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It doesn't mean pray against those who persecute you. Because if you're going to show love to them, you're praying for God to bless them. Is that easy? No way. <laughs> Is it unusual and extremely difficult? Yes, it is. But that's what God calls us to do. So when people hassle you, be nice to them. Don't retaliate. Friends, here's a life principle. You have control of your reactions. You always have control of your 
reactions. You cannot control what may happen to you or what people may say about you, but you can always choose to return good for evil by praying for those who are hassling you by showing acts of love to them despite their attitude and what they're doing. Number four. This is, I reckon, the hardest one. Rejoice over the persecution. Rejoice over it. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Now, I think just about everybody stumbles over this. We look at the words and can think, does Jesus want me to be a masochist? You know, um, I'm being persecuted and I think it's fun or however. But Jesus isn't saying rejoice in the pain. He's saying when people are giving you a rough time for your faith, don't complain, celebrate. Okay? Why should we do this? Three good reasons for your outline. Number one, most important, it means God's Spirit can be seen in your life. If it couldn't be seen in your life, no one will be hassling you, giving you a rough time. So if you're insulted because of Christ, you're blessed. For God's Spirit rests on you. That's what it says in 1 Peter 4.14. It's saying when people give you a rough time for being a Christian, it means they see Jesus in you, they see God's Spirit in you, and they react. See, the problem today is no one's sure who the Christians really are. They're like secret agents, undercover believers. That's not what God wants. Some say, my life is my witness. What an egotistical attitude that can be. It suggests I just have to walk into any room and soon everyone will repent. Even Jesus had to tell people the message. It's not a matter of being nice, of doing good, of showing love to all, although that's part of it, a vital part of it. Okay, Faith comes from hearing okay? we need to tell them about Jesus and his love for them now let me give you this thing Christians are to be audio visual displays of Jesus okay? wherever and in the face of every circumstance and situation that's the first thing number two the second thing it means God can trust me God can trust me The apostles were full of joy that God considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for Jesus' name, Acts 5.41. Christians in Australia know very little about persecution. Let's be honest about that. We have had it so easy. But as I said earlier, around the world every day there are hundreds if not thousands of Christians being martyred. Now we don't live in that kind of world yet but it will be coming increasingly hard to be Christian in this nation before God brings it to its destiny. Christians in China and Muslim countries say the persecution they've suffered has matured their faith. Christianity, as you see, is like a nail. The harder you drive it, the deeper it goes into the wood. If you are enduring harassment for your faith, It says God thinks you can handle it and considers you worthy to suffer. Maybe we should stop and pray now and ask God to so touch our lives that he would see us worthy to suffer. Would we pray that? We would shy from that mostly. Immediately I've said it, I'm shying from it actually. Some people have said what we need is a major revival in this country. And that's true, we do. But I will tell you, one of the ways you'll get a major revival if you get a huge persecution attack on Christians why all the nominals will drop off 
and only the serious Christians will stand and revival will come. That's interesting, isn't it? We don't pray for that way, though, do we, in that sense? All right? Now, the other thing, of course, is number three, it's only temporary. Okay? I reckon that's great, providing it's for someone else. Okay? See, these troubles won't last very long. Yet this, this short, yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessing upon us forever and ever. That's what it says 2 Corinthians 4.17, Living Bible. You know, the things of this world, whatever they are, are temporary, while the things of God are eternal. And we Christians have a share in that which is eternal. Jesus Christ, as we heard earlier, hung on a cross, took your sin, my sin, on his shoulders, who was without sin, separated from God, as sin does, and then having paid the price in full, debt wiped clean, rose from the grave, Lord of lords, King of kings, and poured the Holy Spirit on all those who will put their faith in him, that we would become image bearers of God in this world and it's forever it's forever when you think of it 60 years of age 70 years 100 years it's a blip compared to eternity we might get persecuted for a day or it might cost us our life it might be a painful way that we die but whatever we suffer at the end of it is glory in heaven with our father for whatever we suffer is temporary and that's how Christians actually in lots of places of serious persecution are handling it. You see, what I'm saying to you friends is we need to look at life from God's perspective. We need actually to live our lives with a view of eternity rather than the moments just. I mean the only moment we have to live actually is the moment now. Do you know that? There's no guarantee that you'll be here alive one minute from now actually. You can't do anything about the past. But we're to live the moments that we have with such faith in God, so focused on the eternal destiny that we have in Jesus Christ, that it changes everything that we would say and do. Okay? You see, all material pleasures of this world will cease. They can't last. I mean, if I was to ask you, what's the one thing, what's going to last in your life? There's only one, really. Jesus and your relationship with him. Therefore, so what if someone insults you, lies about you? persecutes you. It's temporary friends. Your life is demonstrating your faith in Jesus and the greatest most powerful demonstration is when you're persecuted and you continue in faith. On the cross here is a pagan in a sense Roman centurion. He's as hard as nails. They're mostly cruel. They knew what authority was. They had under authority, they exercised authority. This man, looking at Jesus and how he died, said, surely this man was the Son of God. There's a lot of people around the world when they see how a Christian died for the faith, actually become Christian, because that's the deal often. In other words, friends, we need to rejoice over the hurt because someone, has seen the Spirit of God in us and reacted. And fifthly, remember my reward. And we've already pointed to it. Remember my reward. Rejoice, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Your reward will not be small or average. It will be great. 
That's what it says. There are special honours for those who receive persecution for their faith. In Revelation, you read about that. They have special dress, special robes, whatever. Now, you can get carried away by, oh, there's only 12,000 of them or whatever, but that's not the issue. The issue is when you pay the ultimate price for Jesus Christ, you do get big rewards in heaven. We might not think of it like that, but Jesus reminds us that we'll be in good company. Old Testament prophets. Now, history tells us that all but one of the apostles, I said this yesterday, you know that only one of the apostles was not actually martyred, put to death for the faith, and that was John, and he was in, in a sense, in prison on Patmos for the faith, in a stone quarry, incidentally. Guess what he was doing a lot of the time? Their faith in Jesus cost them their lives. The Bible says there will be great reward in heaven for those who handle harassment, persecution with a good attitude. One of the ways you store up treasures in heaven is by responding like Jesus when people are giving you a tough time for your faith. Because since we are God's children, if we share Christ's suffering, we will also share in His glory. Romans 8:17. What a verse. We're going to be sharing in Jesus' glory. Why? Because we share in his suffering. Friends, we might have no idea what that's going to be like either side of that line, actually. But one thing is, we have no real idea of what it will be like sharing in Jesus' glory till we get there. It's way past what we can imagine. I mean, just consider what's going to happen for eternity and it's worth living to honour Jesus for now even if it brings persecution unto death. Remember your reward in heaven. And sixthly, remain faithful. Remain faithful. Persevere in doing that which God has called you to do. So those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. 1 Peter 4.19 No, suffer according to God's will. Hang on a minute. You don't hear those messages in the t- on this text these days very often, do you? You don't ever hear them from TV evangelists, I can tell you that now. You know, they present Christianity as a lifestyle in which God wants you healthy, wealthy and happy. And if you're suffering, it's because you're sinning or you're out of God's will or you haven't got enough faith. Even some church people say that. That's not what the Scripture says. The Bible's really truth it's God's word it's true it says sometimes suffering is God's will it goes on to say that those who are suffering should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good now the word suffering there is not suffering disease it's suffering persecution it's suffering harassment it's suffering for being a Christian Paul is a great example nothing could stop him no threat no violence nothing what does it take to stop you and one little word of criticism a threat fear that you'll be called a weirdo the number one reason people don't witness is the fear of rejection yet people are dying and they're going to hell in their thousands because we do not witness to them about the love of God in Jesus Christ okay what are we going to do about that another question What would cause you to deny your faith in Jesus? Now, this is one of those difficult things. I remember when we were in theological college, there was a subject called moral theology, and they would create this scenario, and you had to then say how you would respond. And I always felt, what a lot of baloney, because no one knows how they'll respond till they're really 
in it. Isn't that true? What would cause you to deny your faith in Jesus? Because mostly we follow him at our convenience. Let's be honest. Um, If it's not convenient to do whatever, we don't. Number three question. How many people know you are really Christian? I'm not talking about whether they know you go to church. I'm talking about knowing what you believe and how you live because of what you believe. As we come to our close now, get this. Jesus came not to make life easy, but to make people like you and I great. Not in the world's term, but in the terms of the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what God requires on planet earth. Now John reports the risen Lord Jesus as saying this. This is Revelation chapter 2 verse 10, 11. It's, it's about actually talking to one of, in the, one of the letters to the seven churches. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution. In the text it says for 10 days. You could read that for a time. Be faithful even to the point of death and I Jesus will give you the crown of life for he or she who overcomes will not be hurt at all in the second death that's coming. We have a destiny that is eternity with a loving Father who is almighty God and our brother, his Son, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we have it in the permanent, indwelling presence of God's Holy Spirit. It can't get any better than that, friends. It really cannot get any better than that. And that's how we're to focus ourselves in this world as we live disciples of Jesus Christ, living out the kingdom of God, despite how the world treats us. I'm finishing The question is, will we stand up and be counted or not? Your neighbours, this town, the state of Victoria, this nation depend on people like you and I standing firm in the faith, living out the life of the kingdom reign of God. Let's pray. Father, wonderful Father, full of love for children. Somehow when when I get to this point, I feel that I have failed you so much because my life has been, whilst it's known some rejections and it's known some personal attacks and all those sorts of things, it's certainly not like what Jesus, your son, went through. However it is, Lord, I just ask now that you would pour your spirit out on me and pour your spirit out on these people here that in the days to come we would find ourselves as really true light in the darkness that we would be true apostles and disciples of Jesus the Christ, your Son, that we would be kingdom witnesses to the glory and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be a people so full of the Spirit that we would be radiant with love from you out into the world and that people, neighbours, whomever, some would be drawn and some would come to faith 
and some would enter into that eternal life with you that will be so glorious. And that if those who reject us and those who attack us for what we're doing give us strength to withstand, give us faith to conquer, give us faith to overcome whatever would come against us to take away that which you've called us to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name, for his name's sake and for your glory and your purposes to come. Amen.